Welcome everyone to season three of Storybound. Ever since we wound down season two, we haven't really stopped moving, and now we have a great slate of authors ready for you arriving every Tuesday into your podcast feed. If you are not subscribed, make sure to do so now so you won't miss an episode. We are kicking off the season with Pulitzer Prize winning author Juno Diaz, who will be reading a story from his debut short story collection, Drown. Drown was published 11 years before Juno won the Pulitzer with his 2007 novel, The Brief and Wondrous Life of Oscar Wow. But as you will soon experience, despite Drown having been written 24 years ago, Juno's prose still bites, especially with his musical accompaniment, E La Bamba. The musical score was assembled from their newest single, Mariposa de Qualcomán, but more on that later. For now, let's start the show. My name is Juno Diaz, and you're listening to Storybound, and I am going to read a piece out of my first book, Drown, a story called Aurora. Welcome to Storybound, presented by Lit Hub Radio and the Pod Glomerate. I'm your host, Jude Brewer. In just a short bit, you're going to get to hear Pulitzer Prize winning author Juno Diaz read a story from his debut short story collection, Drown. And if you stick around until after the credits, you'll get to learn more about season three. See you then. Today, me and Cut drove down to South River and bought some more smoke. The regular pickup, enough to last us the rest of the month. The Peruvian dude who hooks us up gave us a sampler of his super weed. Jewel love it, he said. And on the way home, past the Hydrox factory, we could have sworn we smelled cookies baking right in the back seat. Cut was smelling chocolate chip but I was smoothed out on those rocky coconut ones we used to get at school. Holy shit, Cut said. I'm drooling all over myself. I looked over at him, but the black stubble on his chin and neck were dry. This shit is potent, I said. That's the word I'm looking for. Potent. Strong, I said. It took us four hours of TV to sort, weigh, and bag. We were puffing the whole way through, and by the time we were in bed, we were gone. Cut still giggling over the cookies, and me, I'm just waiting for Aurora to show up. Fridays are good days to expect her. Fridays we always have something new, and she knows it. We haven't seen each other for a week, 
Not since she put some scratches on my arms, fading now, like you could rub them with spit and they'd go away. But when she first put them there, with her sharp-ass nails, they were long and swollen. Around midnight, I hear tapping on the basement window. She calls my name maybe four times before I say, I'm going out to talk to her. Don't do it, Cut says. Just leave it alone. He's not a fan of Aurora, never gives me the messages she leaves with him. I've found these notes in his pockets and under our couches. Bullshit mostly, but every now and then she leaves one that makes me want to treat her better. I lie in bed some more, listening to our neighbors flush parts of themselves down a pipe. She stops tapping, maybe to smoke a cigarette or just to listen for my breathing. Cut rolls over. Leave it, bro. I'm going, I say. She meets me at the door of the utility room, a single bulb light behind her. I shut the door behind us and we kiss once on the lips, but she keeps them closed, first date style. A few months ago, Cut broke the lock to this place, and now the utility room's ours, like an extension, an office. Concrete with splotches of oil, a drain hole in the corner where we throw our cigs and condoms. She's skinny, six months out of juvie, and she's skinny like a 12-year-old. I want some company, she says. Where are the dogs? You know they don't like you. She looks out the window, all tagged over with initials and fuck yous. It's going to rain, she says. It always looks like that. Yeah, but this time it's going to rain for real. I put my ass down on the old mattress, which stinks of pussy. Where's your partner, she asks. He's sleeping. That's all that nigga does. She's got the shakes. Even in this light, I can see that. Hard to kiss anyone like that. Hard even to touch them. The flesh moves like it's on rollers. She yanks open the drawstrings on her knapsack and pulls out cigarettes. She's living out of her bag again on cigarettes and dirty clothes. I see a t-shirt, a couple of tampons, and those same green shorts, the thin, high-cut ones I bought her last summer. Where have you been, I ask? Haven't seen you around. You know me. Yo ando más que un perro. Her hair is dark with water. She must have gotten herself a shower, maybe at a friend's, maybe in an empty apartment. I know that I should diss her for being away so long. That cut's probably listening. But I take her hand and kiss it. Come on, I say. You ain't said nothing about the last time. I can't remember no last time. I just remember you. She looks at me like maybe she's going to shove my smooth-ass line back down my throat. Then her face becomes smooth. Do you want the jig? Yeah, I say. 
I push her back on the mattress and grab at her clothes. Go easy, she says. I can't help myself with her, and being blunted makes it worse. She has her hands on my shoulder blades, and the way she pulls on them, I think maybe she's trying to open me. Go easy, she says. We all do shit like this, stuff that's no good for you. You do it, and then there's no feeling positive about it afterwards. When Cup puts his salsa on the next morning, I wake up, alone, the blood doing jumping jacks in my head. I see that she searched my pockets, left them hanging out of my pants like tongues. She didn't even bother to push the fuckers back in.
That song you just heard is titled Mariposa de Gualcomen by Ila Bamba. And now for a quick commercial break. You are listening to Storybound with Juno Diaz. And now we return from our break. raining this morning. We hit the crowd at the bus stop, pass by the trailer park across Rudine, near the audio shack, dropping rocks all over. Ten here, ten there, an ounce of weed for the big guy with the warts, some H for his coked up girl, the one with the bloody left eye. Everyone's buying for the holiday weekend. Each time I put a bag in a hand, I say, pow, right there, my man. Cut says he heard us last night. Rides me the whole time about it. I'm surprised the AIDS ain't bit your dick off yet, he says. I'm immune, I tell him. He looks at me and tells me to keep talking. Just keep talking, he says. Four calls come in and we take the Pathfinder out to South Amboy and Freehold. Then it's back to the terrace for more foot action. That's the way we run things. The less driving, the better. None of our customers are anybody special. We don't have priests or abuelas or police officers on our lists. Just a lot of kids and some older folks who haven't had a job or a haircut since the last census. I have friends in Perth Amboy in New Brunswick who tell me they deal with whole families, from the grandparents down to the fourth graders. Things around here aren't like that yet, but more kids are dealing and bigger crews are coming in from out of town, relatives of folks who live here. We're still making mad paper, but it's harder now and Cut's already been sliced once, and me, I'm thinking it's time to grow, to incorporate, but Cut says, fuck no. The smaller, the better. We're reliable and easygoing, and that keeps us good with the older people who don't want shit from anybody. Me, I'm tight with the kids, That's my side of the business. We work all hours of the day, and when Cut goes to see his girl, I keep at it, prowling up and down Westminster, saying what's up to everybody. I'm good for solo work. I'm edgy and don't like to be inside too much. You should have seen me in school. Olvídate. Olvídate. One of our nights. We hurt each other too well, to let it drop. She breaks everything I own, yells at me like it might change something, tries to slam doors on my fingers. When she wants me to promise her a love that's never been seen anywhere, I think about other girls. The last one was on Keene's women's basketball team with skin that made mine look dark. A college girl with her own car who came over right after her games in her uniform 
mad at some other school for a bad layup or an elbow in the chin. Tonight, me and Aurora sit in front of the TV and split a case of Budweiser. This is going to hurt, she says, holding her can up. There's H, too. A little for her, a little for me. Upstairs, my neighbors have their own long night going, and they're laying out all their cards about one another. Big, cruel, loud cards. Listen to that romance, she says. It's all sweet talk, I say. They're yelling because they're in love. She picks off my glasses and kisses the parts of my face that almost never get touched. The skin under the glass and frame. You got those long eyelashes that make me want to cry, she says. How could anyone hurt a man with eyelashes like this? I don't know, I say, though she should. She once tried to jam a pen in my thigh, but that was the night I punched her chest black and blue, so I don't think it counts. I pass out first, like always. I catch flashes from the movie before I'm completely gone. A man pouring too much scotch in a plastic cup. A couple running towards each other. I wish I could stay awake through a thousand bad shows the way she does. But it's okay as long as she's breathing past the side of my neck. Later, I open my eyes and catch her kissing cut. She's pumping her hips into him and he's got his hairy ass hands in her hair. Fuck, I say. But then I wake up and she's snoring on the couch. I put my hand on her side. She's barely 17, too skinny for anyone but me. She has her pipe right on the table, waited for me to fall out before hitting it. I have to open the porch door to kill the smell. I go back to sleep, and when I wake up in the morning, I'm lying in the tub, and I got blood on my chin, and I can now remember how in the world that happened. This is no good, I tell myself. I go into the sala, wanting her to be there, but she's gone again, and I punch myself in the nose just to clear my head. Just to clear my head. We don't see each other much. Twice a month, four times maybe. Time don't flow right with me these days, but I know it ain't often. I got my own life now, she tells me, but you don't need to be an expert to see that she's flying again. That's what she's got going. That's what's new. We were tighter before she got sent to juvie, much tighter. Every day we chilled, and if we needed a place, we'd find ourselves an empty apartment, one that hadn't been rented yet. We'd break in, smash a window, slide it up, wiggle on through. We'd bring sheets, pillows, and candles to make the place less cold. Aurora would color the walls, draw different pictures with crayons, splatter the red wax from the candles into patterns, beautiful patterns. You got talent, I told her, and she laughed. I used to be real good at art, real good. 
We'd have these apartments for a couple of weeks until the supers came to clean for the next tenant, and then we'd come by and find the window fixed and the lock on the door. On some nights, especially when Cut's fucking his girl in the next bed, I want us to be like that again. I think I'm one of those guys who lives too much in the past. Cut will be working his girl, and she'll be like, Oh, yes. Dámelo duro, papi. And I'll just get dressed and go looking for her. She still does the apartment thing, but hangs out with this gang of crackheads. One of two girls there sticks with this boy, Harry. She says he's like her brother, but I know better. Harry's a little pato, a cabron, twice beat by cut, twice beat by me. On the nights I find her, she clings to him like she's his other nut, never wants to step outside for a minute. The others ask if I have anything, giving me bullshit looks like they're hard or something. Do you have anything? Harry's moaning, his head caught between his knees like a big ripe coconut. Anything, I say? No, and grab onto her bicep, lead her into the bedroom. She slumps against the closet door. I thought maybe you'd want something to eat, I say. I ate. You got cigarettes? I give her a fresh pack. She holds it lightly, debating if she should smoke a few or sell the pack to someone. I can give you another, I say. And she asks why I have to be such an ass. I'm just offering. Don't offer me anything with that voice. Just go easy, Nana. We smoke a couple, her hissing out smoke, and then I close the plastic blinds. Sometimes I have condoms, but not every time. And while she says she ain't with anyone else, I don't kid myself. Harry's yelling, what the fuck are you doing? But he doesn't touch the door, doesn't even knock. After, when she's picking at my back and the others in the next room have started talking again, I'm amazed at how nasty I feel, how I want to put my fist in her face. I don't always find her. She spends a lot of time at the hacienda with the rest of her fucked up friends. I find unlocked doors and Dorito crumbs, maybe an unflushed toilet. Always puke in a closet or on a wall. Sometimes folks take crap right on the living room floor. I've learned not to walk around until my eyes get used to the dark. I go from room to room, hand out in front of me, wishing that maybe just this once I'll feel her soft face on the other side of my fingers instead of some fucking plaster wall. Once that actually happened a long time ago. The apartments are all the same, no surprises whatsoever. I wash my hands in the sink, dry them on the walls, and head out. Tu 
song you just heard is titled La Ultima Vez by Ila Bamba. And now for our final break. You are listening to Storybound with Juno Diaz. And now for our final chapter. You watch anything long enough and you can become an expert at it. Get to know how it lives, what it eats. Tonight, the corner is cold, and nothing is really going on. You can hear the dice clicking on the curb, and every truck and souped-up shipmobile that rolls in from the highway announces itself with bass. The corner's where you smoke, eat, fuck, where you play CeeLo. CeeLo games like you've never seen. 
I know brothers who make two, three hundred a night on the dice. Always somebody losing big. But you have to be careful with that. You never know who will lose and then come back with a nine or a machete looking for the rematch. I follow Cut's advice and do my dealing nice and tranquilo. No flash, not a lot of talking. I'm cool with everybody, and when folks show up, they always give me a pound, knock their shoulders into mine, ask me how I've been. Cut talks to his girl, pulling her long hair, messing with her little boy, but his eyes are always watching the road for cops, like minesweepers. We're all under the big street lamps. Everyone's the color of day-old piss. When I'm 50, this is how I'll remember my friends, tired and yellow and drunk. Eggie's out here too. Homeboy's got himself an afro and his head looks ridiculous on his skinny ass neck. He's way out high tonight. Back in the day, before Cut's girl took over, he was Cut's gun boy, but he was an irresponsible motherfucker. Showed it around too much and talked amazing amounts of shit. He's arguing with some of the tigres over nonsense, and when he doesn't back down, I can see that nobody's happy. The corner's hot now, and I just shake my head. Nilo, the nigger Eggie's talking to, has had more PTI than most of us have had traffic tickets, and I ain't in the mood for this shit. I ask Cut if he wants burgers, and his girl's boy trots over and says, get me too. Come back quick, Cut says, all about business. He tries to hand me bills, but I laugh. Tell him it's on me. The Pathfinder sits in the next parking lot, crusty with mud, but still a slamming ride. I'm in no rush. I take it out behind the apartments, onto the road that leads to the dump. This was our spot when we were younger, where we started fires we sometimes could not keep down. Whole areas around the road are still black. Everything that catches in my headlights, the stack of old tires, signs, shacks, has a memory scratched onto it. Here's where I shot my first pistol. Here's where we stashed our porn magazine. Here's where I kissed my first girl. I get to the restaurant late. The lights are out, but I know the girl at the front door and she lets me in. She's heavy, but has a good face makes me think of the one time we kissed when I put my hands in her pants and felt the pad she had on. I ask her about her mother, and she says, regular, the brother? Still down in Virginia with the Navy. Don't let him turn into no pato. She laughs, pulls at the nameplate around her neck. Any woman who laughs as dope as she does will never have trouble finding men. I tell her that, and she looks a little scared of me. She gives me what she has under the lamps for free, and when I get back to the corner, Eggie's out cold on the grass. A couple of older kids stand around him, pissing hard streams into his face. Come on, Eggie, somebody says. Open that mouth. Supper's coming. Cut's laughing too hard to talk to me, and he ain't the only one. Brothers are falling over with laughter, and some grab onto their boys, pretend to smash their heads against the curb. I give the boy his hamburgers and he goes between two bushes where no one will bother him. He squats down and unfolds the oily paper, careful not to stain his car hard. 
Why don't you give me a piece of that? Some girl asks him. Because I'm hungry, he says, taking a big bite. Lucero. I would have named it after you, she said. She folded my shirt and put it on the kitchen counter. Nothing in the apartment, only us naked and some beer and half a pizza, cold and greasy. You're named after a star. This was before I knew about the kid. She'd kept going on like that, and finally I said, What the fuck are you talking about? She picked the shirt up and folded it again, patting it down like this had taken her some serious effort. I'm telling you something. Something about me. What you should be doing is listening. I could save you. I find her outside the quick check. I find her outside the quick check, hot with a fever. She wants to go to the hacienda, but not alone. Come on, she says, her palm on my shoulder. Are you in trouble? Fuck that. I just want company. I know I should just go home. The cops bust the hacienda about twice a year like it's a holiday. Today could be my lucky day. Today could be our lucky day. You don't have to come inside. Just hang with me a little. If something... If something inside me is saying no, why do I say, yeah, sure? We walk up Route 9. We walk up to Route 9 and wait for the other side to clear. Cars buzz past and a new Pontiac swerves towards us. A scare. Street lights flowing back over its top, but we're too lifted to flinch. The driver is blonde and laughing and we give him the finger. We watch the cars and above us the sky that's gone the color of pumpkins. I haven't seen her in 10 days, but she's steady. Her hair combed back straight like she's back in school or something. My mother's getting married, she says. To the radiator guy? No, some other guy. Owns a car wash. That's real nice. She's lucky for her age. You want to come to the wedding with me? You want to come with me to the wedding? I put my cigarettes out. Why can't I see us there? Her smoking in the bathroom and me dealing to the groom. I don't know about that. My mother sent... My mom sent money to buy a dress. You still got it? Of course I got it. She looks and sounds hurt, so I kiss her. Maybe next week I'll look at dresses. Maybe next week I'll go look at dresses. I want something that'll make me look good. Something that'll make my ass look good. We head down the road for utility vehicles where beer bottles grow out of the weed like squashes. The hacienda is past this road, a house with orange tiles on the roof and yellow stucco on the walls. The boards across the window are all loose as old teeth, the bushes around the front big and mangy like afros. When the cops nailed her here last year, she told them that she was looking for me, that we were supposed to be going to a movie together. I wasn't within 10 miles of the place. Those pigs must have laughed their asses off. A movie, of course. When they asked her what movie, she couldn't even come up with one. 
I want you to wait out here, she says. That's fine by me. The hacienda's not my territory. Aurora rubs a finger over her chin. Don't go anywhere. Don't go nowhere. Just hurry your ass up. I will. She puts her hands in her purple windbreaker. Make it fast, Aurora. I just gotta have a word with somebody, she says. And I'm thinking how easy it would be for her to turn around and say, Hey, let's go home. I'd put my arm around her, and I wouldn't let her go for like 50 years, maybe not ever. I know people who quit just like that, who wake up one day with bad breath and say, No more. I've had enough. She smiles at me and jogs around the corner, the end of her hair falling up and down her neck. I make myself like a shadow against the bushes and listen to the Dodges and the Chevys that stop in the next parking lot for the walkers that come rolling up with their hands in their pockets. I hear everything. A bike chain rattling, TV snapping on a nearby apartment squeezing ten voices into a room. After an hour, the traffic on Route 9 has slowed. And you can hear the cars roaring on from as far up as the Ernst and Light. Everybody knows about this house. People come from all over. I'm sweating. I walk down the utility road and come back. Come on, I say. An old fuck in a green sweatsuit comes out of the hacienda, his hair combed up in a salt and pepper torch. An abuelo type, the sword who yells at you for spitting on the sidewalk. He has this big smile on his face. Big, wide, shit-eating. I know all about the nonsense that goes on in these houses. The ass that gets sold. The beasting. Hey, I say. And when he sees me, short, dark, unhappy, he breaks. He throws himself against his car door. Come here, I say. I walk over to him slow, my hand out in front of me like I'm armed. I just want to ask you something. He slides down to the ground, his arms out, his fingers spread, hands like starfishes. I step on his ankle, but he doesn't yell. He has his eyes closed, his nostrils grind. His nostrils wide. I grind down hard, but he doesn't make a sound. While you were gone. She sent me three letters from Juvie, and none of them said much. Three pages of bullshit. She talked about the food and how rough the sheets were, how she woke up ashy in the morning like it was winter. Three months and I still haven't had my period. The doctor here tells me it's my nerves. Yeah, right. I tell you about the other girls, there's a lot to tell, but they ripped those letters up. I hope you're doing good. Don't think bad about me. And don't let anybody sell my dogs either. Her tía Fresa held onto the first letters for a couple of weeks before turning them over to me unopened. Just tell me if she's okay or not, Fresa said. That's about as much as I want to know. She sounds okay to me. Good. Don't tell me anything else. You should at least write her. She put her hands on my shoulders and leaned down to my ear. You write her. I wrote, but I can't remember what I said to her, 
except that the cops had come after her neighbor for stealing somebody's car and that the golds were shitting on everything. After the second letter, I didn't write anymore, and it didn't feel wrong or bad. I had a lot to keep busy. She came home in September, and by then we had the Pathfinder in the parking lot and a new zenith in the living room. Stay away from her, Cut said. Luck like that don't get better. No sweat, I said. You know I got the iron will. People like her got addictive personalities. You don't want to be catching that. We stayed apart a whole weekend, but on Monday I was coming home from Pathmark with a gallon of milk when I heard, Hey, macho. I turned around and there she was, out with her dogs. She was wearing a black sweater, black stirrup pants, and old black sneakers. I thought she'd come out messed up, but she was just thinner and couldn't keep still, her hands and face restless, like kids you have to watch. How are you, I kept asking, and she said, just put your hands on me. We started to walk, and the more we talked, the faster we went. Do this, she said. I want to feel your fingers. She had mouth-sized bruises on her neck. Don't worry about them. They ain't contagious. I can feel your bones. She laughed. I can feel them too. If I had half a brain, I would have done what Cud told me to do. Dump her sorry ass. When I told him we were in love, he laughed. I'm the king of bullshit, he said. And you just hit me with some, my friend. We found an empty apartment out near the highway, left the dogs and the milk outside. You know how it is when you get back with somebody you've loved. It felt better than it ever was, better than it ever could be again. After, she drew on the walls with her lipstick and her nail polish, stick men and stick women boning. What was it like in there, I asked. Me and Cut drove past one night, and it didn't look good. We honked a horn for a long time, you know, thought maybe you would hear. She sat up and looked at me. It was a cold-ass stare. We were just hoping. I hit a couple of girls, she said. Stupid girls. That was a big mistake. The staff put me in the quiet room. Eleven days the first time. Fourteen after that. That's the sort of shit you cannot get used to. That's the sort of shit you can't get used to, no matter who you are. She looked at her drawings. I made up this whole life in there. I made up this whole new life in there. You should have seen it. The two of us had kids. A big blue house. Hobbies. The whole fucking thing. She ran her nails over my side. A week from them, she would be asking me again, begging actually, telling me all the good things we do, and after a while, I hit her and made the blood come out of her ear like a worm. But right then in the apartment, we seemed like we were normal folks. Like maybe everything was fine. So there you go. That's the first episode of season three of Storybound. And if you haven't read any of Juno Diaz's work before, well, you should start with Drown. Drown was where this story was excerpted from. And while you're at it, I definitely think you should check out E. La Bamba. You can look him up under Tender Loving Empire Records. 
I knew the singer, Luce, from a previous show I worked on, Storytellers Telling Stories, and yeah, Luce is uh, pretty cool. So check out Ela Bamba, go on Spotify, look him up, and while you're at it, subscribe to the show. Storybound is arranged, produced, and hosted by me, Jude Brewer. Our executive producers are Justin Alvarez of Lit Hub and Jeff Umbro of the Podglomerate, two pretty rad dudes. This show is mixed by Timothy Carplus. Couldn't do it without him. Thank you to Sylvia Beltol, our social media coordinator. Thank you to our interns, Colleen Euclid and Brianna Krupinik. And thank you most of all to our listeners for sticking around these past, I don't know, is it 22, 23 episodes? Means a lot. And everyone else, check us out on Instagram at StoryBoundPod. Subscribe now. Subscribe now. (laughs) No, really. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next Tuesday. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe.